Welcome to episode seven of Whiteboard Wednesdays. We're back at it with a, a good lineup of questions today. We, we get uh, all our guys back in the room and, and uh, happy to have everyone back. And I think we've got some good topics today, some, some good debates. And, and uh, we're going to get right into it because Jeremy just came back from the West Coast and uh, one, one of our viewers uh, had a question. Uh, what's the biggest difference uh, between East Coast and West Coast basketball? I think that's a, a good question because there's a lot of stats that come out or came out, especially lately, where uh, I think Toronto is in second place behind L.A. Uh, for the amount of, what is it? You could talk. Fourth. Fourth now? I was trying to throw it in there. So <laughs> All right, good. Fourth now. Yeah. Okay. So that, that ain't bad when you, yeah. L.A.'s one. New York's two, I think. Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Right. New York is New York is too. Probably we're, Texas. We're up there, and uh, I think it's uh, you know, with with the Raptors being in in the finals against a West Coast team now, I, I think there's a lot of these little stats floating around and and ability. But I, I'm gonna kick it off with, with Jeremy in in obviously moving from the West Coast out here. Uh, you know, what what do you think is the biggest difference between hooping on the West Coast and and hooping in the, on the East Coast? Uh, I think growing up, the stigma was that like. East Coast guys like to play outside, and we don't. Um, I think East Coast got the stigma of being a more rugged, tough uh, nature of basketball, and I think LA guys are more cool. Um, but I think if you look at the stats of the NBA and college basketball players, like we've panned out. I mean, we got this, we're soft and all that, but I mean, Russell Westbrook has become himself, James becomes himself, Kawhi's himself. Uh, Clay Thompson is himself. I mean, and those are guys that I grew up within 20 miles of each other. So um, you can kind of say what you want, but I think the biggest difference is the stigma that East Coast basketball is tougher than West Coast. And the toughest thing I've seen Clay ever say was, was called someone a bumass this week. That was it. <laughs> Clay from uh, Orange County, though, so, so it don't it's count. A little, it's a little different deal, but so you're not you're claiming them, but you're not you're not owning them. That sounds about right. That's <laughs> right. Clay's good though. Like I played Clay when I was about fifteen years old, and Clay had about. And this is why I didn't know of Clay. He's playing on a pump and run second team with Paul George. So Paul George and Clay Thompson are on the AAU team second team. So that kind of tells you how good in itself I think that LA basketball is. And Clay is one of the best shooters to ever touch NBA court. So. I think I think one of the interesting things that we had a conversation about, not really basketball related, but when you look at it, it is and it isn't, is um, just the amount of time you have when you're when you're on the West Coast that you could watch every game in the East and then still go for dinner, and and still go out and actually hoop after a game or, or you know go to a gym or a court, and I just there's so much more availability when you're out on the West Coast, of like seeing basketball. I, I remember being out there and. You know, you're waking up on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. watching East Coast College Hoops at a noon tip. And it's just it's just a different vibe, whereas here right now we're feeling those impacts where we're like, man, we're waiting until 9 p.m. to tip off a game that's starting in Toronto mm -hmm. so that people on the West Coast can watch it at mm -hmm. 6 p.m. And then again tonight, like same thing. We're, we're, we're back at waiting for a 9 p.m. tip, and, and that's hard. And... You know, I, we said it a little bit is, is you know, can you imagine having those tickets and, and having kids or whoever's going to the games and having to wait till 9 p.m. downtown? Um, but that's that's one of the, the bigger differences there. And then I just think that uh, 
when you look at it, I think we were all looking at a, a, a map of uh, college basketball. And I think you oh, and I looked at it, Division One teams. And it's a crazy, when you when you look at Division One basketball plotted onto a, a map of the U.S., it's like 80-something percent of the, the Division One teams are east of the Mississippi. And, and, it, and it's crazy when you sit there and, and then you start thinking like, man, there's, you know, to, to be recruited by, you know, a West Coast team, there's just so few of them when, when you put that in perspective of the bigger picture of college basketball. And I think that that was an interesting um, picture that we that we kind of went back and forth in the debated. Area, the area that like not I mean kind of already knew, but I didn't really think about how deep the, how deep it was. Like areas like New York mm-hmm. and like North Carolina, like New York got like it's a school within like ten miles of each other. Boston. They're all Division One yeah. schools. Boston's mm-hmm. crazy you too. You know, and it's yeah. all just side by side. But we saw that driving down through Detroit. When you yeah. when you go through Detroit, you you, you pass into yeah. Ohio, and yeah. you're going by Toledo. You're going by um, Wright State. You're going by through Louisville. You're like it was just like school after school yeah. after yeah, school. Yeah, Michigan. Michigan's crazy too. It is yeah, Central, Eastern, Western. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michigan, Michigan State, State Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, it's crazy. So it's it's just like. You know, you could probably drive, you know, less than 100 miles and, and pass a school every 100 miles going through that Midwest. And then and then even through Chicago and Indiana and, and down in that area. It's just crazy. Um, but uh, I, I think those are the biggest differences. One, one of the things that was bugging me, um, sitting there watching the Raptors game uh, a couple nights ago, and, you know, we you see it on social media right now with, with Stephen A. Smith talking about it, but... We've done such a great job here in Toronto of embracing the Raptors and, and and really taking control of, like, this is our team. And then I'm sitting there watching the third quarter, and it was disgustingly mm-hmm. terrible in, in regards to just looking at the, the camera angles, looking at Golden State go on, I think it was a 16-0 run, yeah. uh, and, and burning two timeouts, and there still wasn't people in the stands cheering for the Raptors and still out getting popcorn or whatever it is. And... I've sat in those seats. People come and ask you every five minutes if you want to buy something. There's a menu. There's like there's no reason to ever leave those seats at all. And and truthfully, I'm not saying that it, it would have made a wholehearted difference in, in the outcome of the game. But if that run was only a 9-0 run, a 12-0 run, a, a 14-0 run, that whole game is different at that mm-hmm. point. And, and maybe it's just that encouragement or that little yeah. push because – when the Toronto fans are cheering them on, they play different. And, and it was we, – we got to be better. We, we got to do better. Everybody was gone from there. Yeah. yeah. It, the, it, thi- you know. the thing, though, about, like, with Golden State, though, like, they're, they're number one in the league when it comes to, like, third quarter points per game at, uh, 30, uh, at home, 31, and away, 29.6, so basically 30 points. So, like – and I've noticed every time watching them, every time they come and they, out – And half, they scored 16 of those 29 in the yeah. first two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, like, so like they, that that's where they get their motion. And I've noticed even from playing um in college and everything like that, like that like I mean obviously like we're in two halves, but that first half of the second half is like it sets the tone. It does. So like usually like we go and say they always they always come out, like they already have their plan already set from you know halftime and stuff like that. And they just take over. Like it's like a, a light switch goes off. But so so we've all been around college basketball gyms. Mm-hmm. Ain't no one leaving at halftime. Like, when you're coming out of the tunnel, the visiting team is getting it. Like, yeah. the crowd's on them. There's chance. Like, if we are truly these basketball fans, 
that we say we are, and we know that Golden State third quarters are are, are crazy, then why aren't we in there? Forget forget the halftime. Forget anything. We got to make that difficult. They don't. They should have a hard time leaving the court, and they should have a hard time even wanting to come back on the court. And that should be a, a hostile environment. Well, I, I see something interesting online where somebody's mentioned that the fans inside ACC are just the ones with a lot of money. They said the real fans are the ones standing outside in Jurassic Park mm. in the cold. You know, it was pretty cold last week. Yeah, put some respect um, on Scotia Bank's name. I know they were saying how with the, with, with, with the finals. <laughs> he said ACC. With, oh yeah. <laughs> with, the, with the finals, I mean, with the finals prices that we have going on, and obviously it's probably isn't true, but it's just something that made me laugh a little bit. Like they said, the real fans are the ones that are outside that are way past in Dundas. Square, you're basically and priced out, right? Like, yeah, you definitely got the more so, passion. So they said the real fans are the ones in all these cities standing outside watching the screen. Watching, I'm like, fan, what? I know the snack bar line ain't that long, bro. Like the game start, it be looking empty, bro. Like yeah. the Clippers game. Who 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 performed at halftime? Um, it was I missed it. Some someone performed at halftime. It was almost like no one wanted to watch, so they all left. And it was it was crazy, but um, you know that just really honestly it pissed me off. And and for I mean you watched the game with me. I was cussing at the TV the whole time. Be be you know you're, you're looking at an empty empty arena. To start the third, referees that were just trash for most of the game, and and really you could see the swings they were putting on, and and it was just I don't know I, I think we could have done better, and and real talks we we could have been up two nothing going back to Golden State right now, and even with all that we still had a chance to win it. You know you look at if, if we would have stolen that ball right on the last play there and went down for for a layup or a dunk, who knows what happens at that point over time. You know, get a, get a, mm-hmm. one more shot at it, but we're really here. We're we're in the NBA Finals and and we're hooping and and we just got to do better. We know that there's a game coming back here. And we got to make this place hard. I, I I hear I always watch the Canadian channel, um, you know, with Leo and and Jack and and those guys and 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 Jack Armstrong's always saying we got to get in the arena early. We got we got to make this place a hard place to play. We're doing that. You know, you look at, at pregame, you look at the national anthem, the crowds, we got to be there for the third quarter. we got, we got to make this a bad place for Golden State to play in the third. And then they finally fixed the national anthem. I mean, the game one, I was so upset at, at just the vibe in regards to the national anthem. They brought out, who, who sang it, the three tenors or something? And it was like slow played out the crowd wasn't involved and, and I was like man yeah, they this... was trying to get creative with it I yeah it was that. like yeah. why are we getting fancy now like let's make this <laughs> grimy bring bring <laughs> I don't care like shoot bring top five out and let him sing it or something get the crowd going like let's just let's do yeah. something different here we're in the finals but uh, shout out uh, they brought Alicia Care out and I'm gonna oh, give a shout out because she's from Brampton and I think she did a good job and the crowd was in it from early mm-hmm. and and I think that that made a, a big difference on the start of the game uh, so who do you guys got tonight um it, it's, it's definitely tough but I feel like uh Golden State might get it just because they have the momentum going into game three after that win Raptors settle down after the game, first game there mm-hmm. who, who who does who does Golden State? I mean, so US TV is really trying not to play down this whole Drake thing, in, in terms of like impacting uh, the sidelines and the games, and they're not really panning to him a lot during the telecast. Um, in contrast to that, you know they're going to be on to their 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 US bias tonight, and like who who's going to be courtside that becomes 
essentially the Drake of Golden State. Yeah, Steve Kerr made a comment that it's E40. I've heard E40, mm-hmm. yeah, but you probably know more. So E40 like Golden State. You know, E40. He's, yeah, he's, he's been at every game. Everything to the yay area to the court. I mean, I don't know if he's a court side seater because I see him in a lot of he's, games. He sits uh, right under the ba- uh, behind the basket. He's not always yeah, court side, yeah. but I assume too short probably gonna be there. E40 gonna be there. But I don't oh, see anyone getting like to the, the level of pettiness that Drake has. No, like no one, no one's gonna go that far. I, I, I don't even think it's petty. I think it's it's highly creative. Well, okay, you remember Wait. how you mentioned last week though, come out with like a, a Golden State jersey. Yeah. I like how he wore Del Curry's jersey. I thought yeah, that was hilarious. I think, I think that was yeah. like a, his troll level an right almost now is, a good mix. Is, is, is on point. And it yeah. is, and it's like there's a lot of thought. And when you sit down, like you have to ask yourself, like, Yo, who the hell thought of that? Yeah. Who thought <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. for him to come out with Home Alone on like Where's Kevin? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that was like, good too. That was that was well thought out. But did anyone see Twitter? Uh, what's his name? Macaulay Culkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tweeted back at him. Link me, catch so link me at barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here yeah. sitting behind you. Yeah, that's but it's. I, I think I think he's very creative. Now here, here's a million dollars. Does he show up at the game tonight? Yes. Does Drake yeah. roll yeah. into Golden yeah, State too. tonight? Yeah, he's there. Does he sit courtside? Probably. And piss everybody off. And Probably and does. and what creative thing does he come up with in Golden State? She was wearing Durant jersey. Yeah. I, I said he should have been wearing, like, his beef right now is with, and and it's changing. It's never going to be with Curry. It's with, it's with Draymond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's with KD now, mm-hmm. and it's with Clay for calling him a bum ass. Like that, there's going to be something to do with bum ass. Whether he, he shows up with I don't know some big I mean, booty on his shirt or something like <laughs> I, don't know, I, I think it's a different vibe. I feel like I feel like the Bay Area fans like they're like to the, and because they're they won't be in Oakland after this season. I think after this season they're leaving Oakland. Mm-hmm. So I think like their deals like they're like man like, <coughs> like we've been here before like we this is our, like we used to this like, yeah y'all, like y'all new to this like we've been doing this like we've been real we've been loyal like we know how to really be fans like the same. Like this has become an annual thing for them, and it really ha- actually has in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fifth yeah, one yeah. Five, So it's like for them, it's like we've been there, done that, we won. Like, and their passion is like crazy. We did it without yeah. KD. We it's did it with nice. KD. Like, Does KD come it, back? Like, I can get it. Mm. Does Clay come back? Is the question. I, I feel like yeah, because his hamstring, right? I think he gives it a go tonight, and I think it's going to be KD. Uh, no, Clay. Uh, Clay. And I and I think if he can't go tonight, I think that brings KD back sooner. You know, in, in terms of just having that extra weapon um but you know I, I think the raptors right now just got to get back to what was working in game one I, I think they had that really and truly like against everything they went up against they just had a bad eight minutes yeah. and they didn't shoot the ball from a three particularly well they didn't they, were, they looked apprehensive and, and a little bit scared at times they just got to let it go and 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 again we said it before game one we need danny green to make some shots like yeah. he, he is the spacer outer, and, and if he gets going, and it's, it's going to happen, it has to, and it's slowly coming, that makes all the difference. Didn't Kyle have, like, two cheap ones? I noticed his one he fouled out one was terrible. Yeah, I mean, I there, was, there was one on, uh, yeah, DeMarcus that they called out. That, that was bad. He literally oh, got all ball. ball. Did, did anyone see the two-minute report yeah, or whatever one. it's called with the referees, where it's like, oh, there was a travel here, and we a missed this dribble. call, and a double dribble, yeah, and, yeah. like. I don't think Nurse was arguing about a travel call. There, there was a couple. Yeah. It's crazy. But when, when the game is going by so fast, like, like is it, as a, as because a, I remember like uh, when I was in high school, I used to rep like little kids. But like, I mean, obviously that's a huge, huge difference. But like, there's so much going on, it's hard to catch everything. And I feel like even as basketball players and even as fans, like, 
like we we don't I guess like understand it from a ref's point of view because like you're like oh you should be able to catch it. especially when they show in slow motion like you see what happens obviously that's slow motion I think the worst is. thing that ever happened to refs now is is that you could look up and, and see every single replay right away yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they do it in slow motion yeah and you, you, you notice they never look yeah, yeah, they don't. Kyle, oh, Kyle, but then they're, Kyle, they're all just like caught up on the TV, night. like still like focusing so waiting, hard on it. They like, stand next to Raph and they be like, <laughs> and he just never, he'll never look. Like he yeah. shouldn't look. Yeah. And to be honest though, if you read the rule books now, like these people on Twitter be finding the rules like in mm -hmm. the deal. Like technically, according to the rule that the NBA created, like the refs don't be wrong sometimes. Mm -hmm. like, if you no, really they, dissect yeah. the rule, like it ain't what you like what you grew up watching to your eyes, like. Oh, you do get an extra half step. Like it says in the rule. So it's like we be saying all this travel stuff, like to them, it's mm. not per rule. Yeah, but then you, you do look at some. I think that the issue is consistency. Because, you know, you, you have a, a a zero step or a gather step and whatever, and then two and then and then it goes to three. And then it goes to you know, if if you watch Steph on the inbound, when they inbound the ball to Steph, he takes two steps before he yeah. dribbles every single time. Like it's it's crazy and and they're not called so it's just consistency because mm. the minute they go and call that he's gonna be pissed and but yes they called that in Westbrook, Westbrook. they called that in Westbrook, oh, yeah. Westbrook. Shit, they may as well just walk up the court and check it at yeah. the other end like that's how bad it is like let's go check it out um every Tuesday around here we have uh we have our recruiting meeting, yeah, and, like and we have kind of a, a session that we go through with our staff here. And yesterday was, was uh, I'm going to say funny, but also like kind of eye-opening. And, and we, we get videos all the time. People send in highlight videos, and they send in letters. And, and, you know, one of the things that stuck out yesterday is we got a highlight video from a kid. And, and we all sat in here, and... Alex, our, our director of admissions, puts on the highlight video, music's on, and all of a sudden it's, mother F this, mother F that, F that, blah, blah. And we're all looking at each other like, yo, this dude really sent us this video to get into the academy, and there wasn't more than four non-swear words in the three-minute highlight video. Like, I'd never even heard that song before to, like, figure out where you could find a song that had that much swearing in it. What what are you guys' thoughts on that? And when you look at it, is does music does music have an impact on what the person you're looking at in the video? Does it say something about their character in your opinion? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a little bit, like obviously, like we know, like not every kid like if a song is about guns and drugs, like that kid probably isn't like about that life. But at the same time, like uh, when uh, this is this is a you know advice to all the kids out there, like whenever whenever you're putting out a highlight tape, if you're gonna put music in it. Don't put a song with constant swearing and stuff like that, because then what, whatever happened to just instrumentals? That's, that's what like, I was yeah, yeah, that's why like, does it all? Awesome? Where did it turn to like just play? Is that the Beko? Give me a video with just the whole song play. Yeah, like, so, find yeah. enough clips song, to make it the whole song. The music play. takes away from the highlight, because then we're just listening to the song and it's just extra like B-roll. But I also I also think now, especially with like all the guys that are you know guys like MDP, Universal Hoops, you watch like their mixtapes or even like, you know, Baller TV, you see mm -hmm. just how much like the song or like whatever impacts it is that they're doing impacts the actual highlight of the video, mm -hmm. especially all the slow motion to, you know, 
fast paced speed and the, you know all that change of, of 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 motion that they throw in there. I think that that just creates more of like you know, especially when it's a dunk, it becomes mm. that much more powerful. Um, when in game, it's that's just a split second that comes and goes fast. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, everyone remembers it, but just on a highlight tape, it's something that some like yeah. people will latch onto a lot more. Yeah, I think it's good especially for post- when a song followed by I, it too. Yeah, I think like for for videos like that, it's good for social media. But if you're sending film off to a coach, oh, yeah. I would say either instrumental or no music at all. See, I, and, and I'm going to disagree with it because I, I just think what you put out that's attached to your name is your brand, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and if it's swearing and cussing, it, it's no different than going on Twitter writing F you, mother effer, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever you, you write. That's your brand. Right. That That's representing who and what you are as a person, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with that notion, but I think it's just a lack of education. That's just something a kid just didn't think about. Mm-hmm. I don't think no one's actually explained to them. Like, it's... This is their favorite song. This is what they listen to. So that's their favorite song, and then unconsciously just put that to your mixtape. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it's a lack of education. It's like if you told a kid like, hey, like you know, you don't want to do this. I think a lot of kid, more kids, would be conscious about it, which is good now that we address mm-hmm. it here because, like you know, we look at that kind of stuff. College stats look at that kind of stuff, but like I think it's a lot is a lack of education. They just don't know better. Well, and I think I, I mean I was in a meeting last week where someone told me that. You know, they can go on social media, and, and I always knew that to this extent, but basically you could go back and I could put in, you know, what's, what's your Twitter, Manny? Coach Manny D. Coach Manny D into this app, and it'll take every single tweet that you did, and it will give me a character trait for the type of person you are, whether your tweets are depressing, whether they're exciting, whether they're, and, and basically categorize that into, like, what what basically you put as your social media persona and when you look at that if that highlight video or something else you say is like in there that's there forever it's there for life right it never goes away right. no, but just like how Manny was saying like I really think it's I think it's hard to just say character because at the same time like there's some songs we don't know but a lot of those songs that they use they got cussing in and like we listen to them like we know them so I don't I don't I, I don't want to wholeheartedly say it's character. I think I do agree in the sense that it's like education and just cognizance of being aware that you're not making this video for you. Like you can have one that you can show your just your friends, but mm-hmm. you gotta understand like if you giving it to people that you're basically in a, in a sense putting your life your hand of your not your life over to, but like they're having to say so in your future. You gotta be cognizant of who's watching it. See, I, I look at a highlight video like a birthday invitation. You know, I wouldn't write a birthday invitation that come to my mother effing party. It's like you're trying to get something out of it, and it's it's something that you think that by putting it out, you're going to gain some sort of attention. I think it takes away from the attention that you're getting, and or you're getting the attention for the wrong reason. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, that's just me. Maybe it's I'm older, and and the new generation, it's okay. But I just look at it from a college perspective as well. When you're a college coach. And you're sitting in your office, and and you're in a professional environment. One, and a kid sends you a highlight video. And you turn on the speakers, and the first thing that come out of there, blah, blah, like especially if it's like a Christian school. Yeah, like, like you just never know who's looking at that. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, the the bad part is that unfortunately, in the life we live in is like you whether the kid's a bad character kid or not, like you are judged by it. So it's like if you put it out there and it's cussing all over the place, like. And we go watch a kid that's as as of equal value talent wise, and his deal is clean and is and is just better off. Like that really might be the sole purpose as to why somebody chose the kid versus yours. So yeah. unfortunately, that's the reality we live in. But like that really, it really makes a difference. Somebody so, can say like, 
well, this kid's just not wise enough to know that he shouldn't have had his own there, so we can't have that. And push, and that could be it. Advice to, to any kids on, on you guys? I mean, we're sitting here with future college coaches. What's your advice if you were looking at a kid's video and you were at a Division One school? Does it impact whether you want to recruit the kid? Does it tell you anything about his character? I think, obviously, try to keep the music clean and just put your best clips first. You know, um, when highlight tapes come out, you know, you have a, you have about a minute, you know, a minute, minute and a half, if that, you know, to sit there and watch the rest of the tape. So put your best clips first and then try to stick to instrumental if you can, you know, but, um, yeah, just keep it clean, man, because you know who's going to watch it. It's funny that you say that because we sit here and we get a ton of highlight videos and, and we watch it. <clears throat> and then it's, it's so hit and miss because as a coach, you're sitting here, you're like, man, okay, these are the clips, but I want to see the whole game. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when you kid sends you the whole game, you're like, why couldn't you just cut it up into like clips? Well, like so too. it's like yeah. a kid yeah. did send us a whole game it's yesterday. Like We're like, part of the game, yeah. damn, man, this is the whole game. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's like we want both, yeah. and and it's 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 an important uh, aspect. Now, I, I just wanted to touch base a little bit. Team Team Canada uh, under 16s are out there hooping. Uh, picked up uh, two wins. Um, first one was against Uruguay. Uruguay. And second one yesterday or, or last night against Brazil. And, uh, you know, not, not a shameless plug, but I mean, Caleb Houston is hooping right now. Double-double last night. Um, that kid's going to be pretty special in, in terms of what he's going to do. And, um, you know, if, if you're the under-19 team, are you, are you looking to bring Caleb out on the under-19 team as well right when this is done? Uh, possibly, just uh, based off of just experience, um, kind of like what uh, the men's team uh, did with uh, Lugans, RJ, and assuming those guys, um, and Shay, um, I think it's good uh, just to like get a taste of like what he's where he's gonna potentially be playing. Obviously, like he's not gonna be rocking out like how he is now, but just the fact of getting that experience. Or he might. Or or he <laughs> might. I mean, I've I've never gotten the the blessing of like watching Caleb play yet and. I've only heard good things about him, and I, I got to meet him at our training camp. Great kid. I can tell he's got a nice jump shot. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I would really like to actually sit down and watch a game, of, like, just watch him play. I mean, you guys watched from from a different perspective of sitting there at uh, 16 and under EYBL. How, how good is this kid? Yeah, uh, Caleb's going to be a professional basketball player. You know, there's no doubt about it because he's already scored all three levels. You know, he extends the floor out. Uh, he's efficient with his mid-range game right now for his age, which is kind of a lost art. And then he's good at attacking the hoop. You know, he does a great job with his body. He knows he's a lot bigger and stronger than a lot of people, so he does a great job with that. And he's only going to get better. You know, yeah, I mean, I think through EYBL, he averaged a double-double as well. So, I mean, he, he's right now a machine. Yeah. And, and I think he's, he's just scratching the surface of what his, his ability is going to be and, and where his comfort zone is. But his mid-range, his three, his ability to get to the basket, he's pretty crazy right now. My biggest thing for Caleb, though, is that I think everybody understands that you've seen him and that you understand. Look at his stats. Like, he's a he's a talent. I'm impressed a lot, and I feel like I've, I'm secure in saying he's going to have a long NBA career because of his character. Um, just being around him. Um, he's humble. He's humble. He lights up a room. Like, he's 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 okay with himself. Like I don't think Caleb has social media. I don't think. No, he doesn't. And he's, like, very much okay with it. He does it. It doesn't move him at all. He's comfortable in his own skin. Um, so I think character-wise, he has that part that will allow him to stay there when he finally gets it. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, Mark, any any questions come in? Uh, or uh, Jackie on that one, um, on the front one? Um, no. 
a question from last week there. So where do you see the best fit in the NBA for former AI Orange Road players in this year's draft? Okay, let, fire fire one player at a time off at us, and we'll we'll kind of go through and debate each player. I think. Iggy. Best fit. Best fit. Um, I mean, it, it's hard to say in terms of like all the changes in the NBA, but it, it's it's a, it's a scenario where obviously I looked at the ESPN uh, mock draft and. It had him going undrafted, I believe, and, and I, I don't like see late second round. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening. No. Um, I truthfully see him between twenty and thirty because uh, he can score the ball. He's tough. Uh, he's got that characteristics that you need. Um, I, I, I've always said it in terms of like players that are successful in the NBA are ones that have a little bit of asshole in them, and 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 not in necessarily in a bad way, but that ultimate belief in their self of how good they truly are. And I think you have Very to have that. Yeah. You really do need it. Because every single day you have people trying to bring you down or... or, or, yeah, or thing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just, you know, you can't tell Iggy he's not good. You can't tell Iggy he can't do something. He's not hearing it. Mm -hmm. And you look at what he did through, with Michigan. Uh, he went in there um, and, and did Iggy and did it within the team. And he took on, um, I think... Uh, a persona of, like of that villain. evil villain yeah, guy. And, and I think that took a lot of pressure off his team as well. And I think he thrived under that situation mm -hmm. and he yeah. likes that. And so I think, you know, he's got those those traits that an NBA team's going to want. And, and I think, you know, he's going to sell tickets. And, yeah. and really, when you look at the NBA, it's it's, it's a moving show. Yeah. Yeah. I, for some reason, like, the more I think about it, I, I see him in Dallas. Like, it's kind of like resemblance yeah. of like kind of like a Doncic or a, a Dirk Nowitzki kind of player. Like being six eight, like he's able to score like at, at different positions. He could guard different positions, and um, I feel like if um, the Mavericks have a shot at getting him, I think they should definitely take it. I, I, I'm gonna go on record and say if he falls and and what pick do they have, Mark? Um, if he falls below Cleveland, I think I have a problem with that. <laughs> and I said it is you know. His, his college coach is the head coach in Cleveland right now. I don't think there's anyone better that knows mm -hmm. that kid inside out and knows his strengths and weaknesses. They got 20 what? 26. 26 picks. So, mm -hmm. you know, right into where I said between 20 and 30. I can't see him passing Cleveland. I, I, I truly can't. No, no, no comment. He's not from L.A., so you don't want to talk? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, it's, I think it's hard for me to call. It's hard for me to call. Like, I guess best fit. I, I see Dallas having like the. I think they. I think there are certain teams in the league that that value international flavor, mm -hmm. um, like the Spurs or the Mavericks. I think certain teams value it. Uh, but my evaluation of watching Iggy this past year, because I didn't know him prior to being here, like he's really just a walking bucket. Mm -hmm. Like he does, he can do everything. He got enough savvy. He got enough strength. He just he like he just has a natural ability and a natural knack um, that he's gonna be like he's gonna be really good. Like I've saying this since they popped Villanova earlier last year. Like oh yeah, just like he's really good. Like he walking as a freshman, like bullying dudes, dunking. Like he's 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 gonna be fine. Yeah. Wherever he lands, he's gonna be fine. I don't know where exactly that is. I think it's gonna be a place that values international flavor. But I don't know. I think he's gonna go between anywhere between. 20 and 35 or something. I don't, I'm not sure. So we'll see. Who was who the next one? Um, we got Storm. Yeah, I'll kick that one off because I, I honestly, you know, in, in bringing Lou up here to, to AI, 
he reminded me of a lot of players. And I think all of us uh, that sit down and, and got to watch him play and progress and see his hunger to get better, um, he's, he's, he's going to have a good NBA career because he's a fighter and, and, and he's tough as, as nails. Um, I see him. The, 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 the ironic one that I see is like I think he'd fit well in Phoenix, which would be pretty ironic considering he went to ASU mm. in Phoenix. Uh, so that one would be a, a, a weird one if that came about, but he would fit in with that young core group of guys, and his toughness on the defensive end, I think, would match what they need uh, to improve upon in Phoenix. I could see him in Sacramento um, with the Kings, that young core, and, and then with Roy Rana being there now, understanding how tough of a guard he is. I think that would be another good synergy type of fit. And then the kind of place, and I don't know what pick they have, but I could really see him in Detroit. Um, under Dwayne Casey and, and the type of system and, and defensive. I mean, Dwayne Casey loved Kyle Lowry, and I'm not saying Lugans is Kyle Lowry, but there's some similarities in regards to like putting his, his toughness and his defensive ability and, and, and putting it all on the line. So that's where I see, I, I see him, honestly, anywhere between 15 and 25, and I know that's probably higher than some people have him. But I think there's a value in a guy that I think resembles Russell Westbrook a lot in, yeah. in, in a lot of traits. Yeah, he definitely does. And I remember uh, whenever we uh, one of the first questions I asked him, like, like who do you kind of like try to resemble your game after? And he that was one guy. He said so, um, like even him. But like I kind of I could I could see him in Portland, to be honest. Just um, again, like you know, with with Dame and uh, CJ, I feel like. Um, he could definitely learn a lot from those guys and lose lose a sponge. I, like I got I got the um, blessing of like being able to work with him every morning and stuff like that, and um, just seeing like how his game is and like how he's able to develop and pick things up so quickly. Um, being able to learn from Dame and uh, CJ like again like they're both his size uh, combo guards, and um, I feel like he could you know fit their system and being like a good backup for those guys and like again like his defensive like hunger and like just dog mentality like. Again, like like you said, whatever team ends up picking him, like um, that's one thing that's definitely going to help him stand out, and he'll be like one of the top guys on that team for. Her. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see. Um, I don't know why Chicago as well as as a possible landing spot, just in terms of their needs and yeah. and his toughness as well. Mm-hmm. Anything on Lou? Anyone else? Next one. O'Shea. O'Shea. So O'Shea, I always said it, and, and I know people, you know, I obviously watched a lot of the, and this one is, is a L.A. guy. Um, I, I got to watch him a lot in Houston, but when, when I watch O'Shea play, and then I, and he can't shoot it as well as him yet, but he reminds me of Trevor Ariza in, in a lot of ways, yeah. body, movement, um, style of play, and, and I think he's going to be a guy that uh, – I know that people have him second round or undrafted, but I think he sneaks in in the upper part of the, the second round. I don't see him falling below 40. Um, and I think with what he did at the G League Combine, I think he opened up a lot of uh, a lot of eyes, and I think he could sneak in even higher. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think, you know, I, I don't know where I see him, but I, I could see him ending up in a place like Houston where – you know, they value the guys that could pop out and shoot it. He, he didn't shoot it stats-wise as well as he can shoot it while he was in college at Syracuse. His, his, his three-point shooting percentage was very low. But he's capable and can make those shots. Mm-hmm. And, and I think now becoming a pro and working on your craft every single day, yeah. 
he follows into that mold of what Houston was missing. So yeah. I, I could see a good fit in Houston. Trevor, Trevor didn't even sh come into the league. Trevor couldn't shoot it. Like, that wasn't something Trevor did. Like, he, being a pro, like, he's grown that to where, like, that's what he does now. So Trevor didn't come in the league doing that. So, I mean, that's a credit to Trevor, but, like, and I think O'Shea has a better starting point, in my personal opinion, than what Trevor did coming into the league. So. Mm -hmm. I also think O'Shea's going to be better with more spacing now. You know, the league's going to open up more room for him to just operate and, you know, Right. Use his big frame against smaller guards. And him in transition is so. fun to watch. Mm -hmm. I mean, you didn't yeah. really see – you saw it at Syracuse in glimpses. I mean, we, we saw it in high school where you get him out on the wing and attacking the basket, and, and that's fun to watch because it usually ends up with some sort of big big dunk or, or, yeah. or great finish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, right. to, be, to, be, to be honest, like, I see him in OKC um, – he kind of reminds me of like, and I know like one one thing he told me like he wants to be like uh, kind of like a Paul George. Um, one thing I kind of see is like I feel like he's a more polished Jeremy Grant just as far as like athleticism goes, but O'Shea has a better jump shot, and I, and I've seen a, a bit of uh, O'Shea's work um, through his pre-draft, and his shot got even even better than it was before when we were working out and stuff like that. So I could see him there, and I could see him ending up as his career goes on. He could be a Paul George. Maybe not get as much touches as him, but as far as that smooth kind of play, being able to create a shot, all that kind of stuff from the mid post, from the wing, and all that, I could see him ending up kind of being like that eventually. I wouldn't disagree. Um, speaking, of, I, I talked about dunks, and, and you you got the opportunity. We got to give a shout out to our guy Matthew Alexander Moncrief, mm -hmm. who, I, in my opinion, should have been in in the top. 50 or whatever they call top it, their top 25 game or whatever, and, and I think he probably had the poster of, of the Pangos camp this year. Um, so if you didn't see it, check it out. But, you know, he jumped from outside of the paint mm -hmm. and boomed on the guy. Like, and I feel like a lot of people don't realize, like, how far they not, – not the high school lines, like the college pro lines. Like, that's actually pretty far to Were, jump were you there watching that live? I didn't see that one. I've seen several. I didn't see that one, but I was caught about four or five in the yeah. two, three games I watched him play with. I was, I was in Fertino's, and my phone just started vibrating in my pocket. And I was like, what the heck's going on? And one of my guys um, who was working in Penguins. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at it here. So when you look at it, it's like outside of the. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess one I got of my good friends, he's actually he's coaching the red team. And he started, he put his phone out during the game and started texting him. <laughs> and then he started posting a poster mid-game. He's yeah. going crazy. Yeah. Somebody, somebody yeah. at, uh, someone, someone tweeted, uh, M.A.'s yeah. handing out Pangos posters. So <laughs> I, I went to, his, I went to his, his last camp game that morning. I ended up leaving, and I went to my, visit my mom. And somebody had texted me, like, bro, you just missed yeah, it. Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He went, he was hungry. Yeah, he, he, he had to have got, he went to visit his mom. Because any, if anyone follows his mom on IG... She cooks meals bigger than this table. So you went home to eat. So, so. instead of watching <laughs> M.A. like your job was to do, you went home to eat. Holy. Five games. No wonder he was in the top 100 I games. Watched four. <laughs> and I talked. Anyway, that's a whole different deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everybody was like, bro, you just missed it. Your boy just dunked on somebody. I said, oh, okay, like, that's what he do. Like, I'm not yeah. tripping. So the video comes out. I'm like, oh, snap. Then I see Bars Bridge. I see Bar TV. You start seeing all these different angles. Everybody's phone start coming out the woodwork. Overtime, got it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, man, like that's pretty different. I mean, when you look back, it, it's it's different, but it's that's what he does. I mean, we saw that all season. 
you go back to the grind session and and he put a couple on people. You go back to Kentucky in January and he yeah, put some on yeah. people. That's that probably the worst one I could hear. Too. It, yeah. it probably that was. was so I mean, where where does where does he project out in your guys' opinion? Because I've been around this for a long time, you know, 27, 28 years. I have yet to see a kid with the hunger that this kid has to be in the gym and get better every minute. I mean, he got off the airplane, came back here at what time? Two? Got back at 2 a.m. And he was not, he was the first one in the gym the next morning? Yes. What time? 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. Waiting for workouts. He's a fiend. Have, have you seen anyone that wants it as bad as him in terms of workouts around people that you've been around? Um, only only other person that I could compare it was, was Lou. And even at that time with Lou, M.A. was right there with him. So, like, I mean, he, he's probably more hungry than anybody that I've ever is, worked with. Is he with. the definition? If you look up Jim Rat in the encyclopedia, is his name there? His picture's right there. Yeah. It's right there. He's a kid that, and it's, hap- and I, it's happened with me, and I know it's happened with you guys as well. Like, it's gone to the point where we've gotten mad at him for not sleeping and just, like, yo, take the morning off. And then he's like, no, no, no. And he is and starting he, to he look at it, you yeah. about trying yeah, to get to the gym. But, like, I, like be, as a trainer and as a coach, I'd rather have arguments. And I've told these guys, I'd rather have arguments like that than me pulling teeth trying to get you out of bed. Like, yo, like, you got to get in the gym before you go to school and stuff like that. But, like, like that. But that, the thing, the thing about Emmy right and his whole journey is the fact that, like, Emmy doesn't do this for social media. Emmy doesn't do that for those for for the girls. Emmy doesn't do that for. Emmy's Twitter though, he, he's very thankful of his coaches on yeah, Twitter, yeah, yeah. especially he's, Coach Jeremy. He's very well spoken. <laughs> no doubt, you know, he's, he's appreciative of you going out there. Yeah, so and and that's we, we, we that's big. So no, Emmy, that's big for for a teenager. He's well spoken. It is. But he does it for the right reasons. You know, he wants. He, loves, he genuinely loves the sport of basketball. He wants to be great, and so. It's gonna pay off. It definitely is. He's a, he's a sponge too. Yeah, like I think the one thing is like you. I think you guys work with him more than I do, but he'll always ask questions, mm-hmm. right? and, and mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like it's stuff that you know it's just relayed back. But he just wants a different perspective. And and another thing, you know, and, and shoutouts to M for this. You know, I'm the, I'm the guy that's usually here last, and, and Manny knows that, especially because of the training. Um, and I'm I'm in I'm in the locker room. I stretch. I use the the Normatec boots, and I'll usually try and get my cool down right at the end of the day. And he's right there, usually right there with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he really takes his time and dedicates himself to his body. He's really, you know, doing the stretching. He's, he's doing all the cool down. He, he's icing. He's, he's starting to realize the big picture. And I think that that, you know, if you're doing that already in high school, uh, by the time he's a, he's a pro, he's going to be flying. Yeah, he's going to be just absolutely. fine. Absolutely. Yeah. He's having fun doing this now. There's no longer mm-hmm. any pressure in terms of, like, searching for acceptance, searching mm-hmm. for that recognition. It's like... Is that M.A.? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> we're getting a phone call up in here. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I think in general, I think guys like that are, are just going to end up making it. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think any any college that ends up with this kid is, is getting a special special dude. Um, the one guy that we forgot, Mark, um, on that question was, and this, this is my sleeper, but Kyle Alexander, uh, who came here as well. Um, you know, I, I don't see him on the draft boards, but when you really look at it, he's in like year six of ever playing basketball, basically, or years. Very, still very young. Mm-hmm. Did a great job with Tennessee this year. Started. Um, he's a guy that is going to, I think, probably play in the G League this year, 
and and really make his way through with with the right organization mm. because he just does everything right. Mm. He, you know, he's fundamentally sound. Sized. He rebounds the ball. He blocks shots. He rim runs. He does everything you want a big to do. And I think th- there's a place for for that in, in the game. So, yeah. you know, he kind of reminds me of uh, Rudy Gobert a little bit, just like with his frame, like long, lanky, athletic, and kind of like Derek Favors. Like, you think of Favors? Yeah, kind of reminds me a little bit of Derek Favors too. Yeah. But not so. as not as crazy aggressive. <laughs> so I, I didn't I didn't want to forget that one. No. Was there any other questions? If if anyone has any questions, send your questions in, and we'll uh, answer your questions and and get back to you on our next show. And oh, what, 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 what's what's our YouTube, Mark? It's it's go on YouTube. You can catch all our shows at the Tony Mac Show. Uh, obviously, we have. Oh, forgot odds are. And we have a question here too. Sorry. What are the advantages of having high school players train with college players? I, I, th- I think, and just, just from seeing it, and also like, and we've, we've all been there too, like, I think it's a huge advantage, more so for the high school guys, because, yeah. um, uh, and I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. So this morning, again, was in the gym with MA, and one of my clients, Jacoby Gordon uh, from Houston, uh, plays for uh, Cal Berkeley. Uh, we were working on, like, you know, shooting and then just uh, forward positioning. And one thing that Jacoby told him was that um, you got to be able to. So a lot of things that a lot of high school guys do is when they catch you do that dip, then into the shot. And at the next level, that's that's out the window because mm-hmm. guys are closing off fast and stuff like that. So what Jacoby was telling him was, um, you know, when you catch it, already be down, get rid of that dip, just go straight up. So and I think like with these college guys, they're able to teach these high school kids coming out, um, you know, firsthand like what to expect when you get there, especially playing at, like, at a high, high level, especially a Power 5 school, or um, in a Power 5 conference, sorry. And um, just be able to share, like, their knowledge of, like, what they've been through, especially after their, their freshman year and stuff like that. So I think it's a benefit of, like, just sharing knowledge. I think it, uh, I think it, I think it gives you perspective. Um, I think perspective can be a little undervalued. Um, I think it allows you to understand, like, what it looks like to – to become what you want to become. Um, and just the game, basketball in itself, like, you know, a high school kid going for pick and roll versus a college kid going for pick and roll. Like, your reads are different. The speed at which you do it is different. Um, how fast you have to make decisions is different. So I think when you get that perspective and then you go back and play with your fellow high school guys, I think it only makes you better. And to the college coach evaluating you, it makes you like you know what you're doing and like you have an appreciation and a, and a value of the basketball and – Ever, whatever else you're doing, I just think it gives you perspective that you need in order to keep growing as a um, student athlete. Absolutely. Um, so we, for odds are, we went through you already. Yes. We went through you already, right? Mm-hmm. So yours was to go shirtless, and then Lady123 got... Did, yo, what was the feedback to that? Uh, Did wifey uh, see Lady123 <laughs> or no? <laughs> And then yours was to mow the soccer field with mm-hmm. a lawnmower. Yeah, uh, we didn't minutes. get you on that. Yeah. So I think my <laughs> next one is going to be to Jeremy. Uh, when, when's when's the next Raptors game? Tonight. No, back back at home. Is that Monday night? Friday. No, back home. Back home. Yeah, Saturday. I think that's Sunday Saturday. or Monday. I think it's three days, right? So we go we go Wednesday, we go Friday. Saturday, Sunday, Monday night. So the odds are that you, <laughs> Jeremy, 
are the first one in line at Jurassic Park for Monday night's game. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh wow. Can't vote all day. Yep. You gotta stay all day till 9 p.m. to watch the game outside. Oh my gosh. Odds are, baby. It's Monday. First one in that's a good one. That's a good one. You gotta leave here at four. Easy. The crazy part for me playing Eyes on Our Fan, like, I think we've been playing, I've been here a year, going on a year. And we've played it so much that I've seen people lose. That you like, fear like, losing? You really fear it now. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, you would think, like, man, you ain't getting that. Like, bro, me and Dom, like, Dom be having to do the most wild stuff. Like, Dom yeah. be eating jalapenos with all types of sauces on it. It's yeah. crazy. But, bro, I guess. What's your odds? <laughs> yeah, I'll leave. Uh, I just you wanted to throw in that if you do get it, you have to be live the whole day. Oh, oh. got it. Here we, we go. Yeah. With you. <laughs> you better hey, bring out a hey, big hey, battery hey. pack. Yeah, my battery pack my you, you see them like this yeah, in the morning. All right, let's go. What's the odds? Oh, well, you said one and what? You said one and five? One and four? <laughs> no, he said one in 15. I like it. Is it one in 15? I did 10, yeah. I did 10 last week. I got, All right, I got, I got it. it. I got to count down. Y'all ready? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cry. <laughs> ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Eight. Oh. I was going to go there, too. <laughs> I'm like, he's not going to go one or 15. He's going <laughs> to. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm gonna get some. That that would have been classic. No, we could have had him in an AI T-shirt, first in line. I would have embraced it, man. Yeah, like, I'm from where I'm from. Where Kawhi from? What's up? Yeah. You know what we would have had? We would have had like 45 receipts for expense reports on hot dog vendors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesse, I had that back of the receipts too. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, tune in next week. Thanks for watching, and we out. <laughs>